Hey, Dream Builders, I'm back with another awesome guest today on the Dream Design Podcast with Amy Lee. Today, I have Rosemary Noy. She is a life coach for women, and her deal is that she is passionate about supporting women who've lost themselves in being a mom, rediscover their joy, and make space for themselves in their busy lives, and realize that putting themselves first doesn't make them a bad mom. It makes them a better mom. She's amazing, and I can't wait for you to meet Rosemary right after this. You're listening to the Design Your Dreams podcast with Amy Lee, the show that challenges you to stop chasing your dreams and start designing them. As the dream design coach, I've helped thousands of high-achieving creatives reconnect with their inner blueprint to design, manifest, and live the life of their dreams. Each week, I invite powerhouse creators who have built their dream businesses to come and share their words of wisdom and stories of courage. It is my hope that through the journeys of these incredible dream builders, you too will be inspired to design and build a life and business beyond your wildest dreams. Of all of my offers, the one that everyone talks about is my dream design intensive. 90 minutes of one-on-one with me to talk about your unique human design and soul vision. These usually book out months in advance, and I want to give you an opportunity to score yours on me. All you've got to do is write an honest review of my podcast and email me why you want one of these life-changing sessions. We'll be picking a winner every month. So write that review and drop me a line, and you could be my next winner. Welcome, Rosemary, to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me, Amy Lee. Hi. So just to get things started, why don't we tell them what it is that you do? I am a life coach for women. I help moms really reconnect with joy in their life and find space in their busy lives for themselves. You know, a lot of times when you're a mom, you're so busy and you start feeling like I just have too much to do. There's not a space for me. And so I really help moms realize there is space for you in that busy life with the endless carpool runs, sports practices, making lunches, bedtime chaos, morning chaos. You can have space for joy in your life with all of that going on. So that is what I do. Oh, that's so, it's such an incredible, you know, mission, but it's really true because I remember, and I don't tell people this story often. I remember when I was young and I was driving in with my mom in the car and I was like, mom, Do you feel like after you had kids and like everything, did you feel like you didn't really have a reason to live? And she's like, what do you mean? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I mean, you've already hit all the milestones, right? Like, don't don't you feel like you just kind of did it all? And she's like, no. She's like, there's cruises to go on. There's grandchildren. There's all these things that, you know, are still to be done. Like, oh, of course, my dogs would decide to have a pound fight right now. Did you hear that? Oh. No, I can just hear my dog clickety clacking. So. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, <laughs> no, well, maybe the the audience can't hear them either, but they uh they sound like they're in like a junkyard right now. Um, but yeah, there's this idea that when women, especially women, but men too, when women become mothers, that they're just these entities that were designed to meet every need of their children. And I think, and you, I can't wait to hear what you think. I think that we're coming into a new generation of parents who are modeling completely different boundaries than our parents did. 
Um, and our children are starting for the first time and think in history to see us as people, right? We're yeah. not just extensions of their needs and their wants and their desires. We're actually living, breathing humans that they are getting to interact with as opposed to kind of just their like slaves. What do you think? I totally agree. I completely agree. I will say that my kids are just now starting to see that about me because my kids are, you know, a little bit older. And so, you know, they grew up without screens. They grew up without, you know, a lot of the stuff that is available now. And so for them, they're still kind of, even though that some of them are in college and one just graduated from college and she's a great example. You know, I was on a call in my room yesterday and she just walked in. She's 22 years old. She just assumes when she needs something, I'm available. And she was very annoyed that I was not and came and told my husband, what's mom doing? And he said, I don't know, she's on a call. And, and she's like, oh, I need some help. And he said, well, can I help you? And he said, she said, probably not. <laughs> so it's just that mindset of mom is just there to help me whenever I'm available. And so my kids are really not quite there in making that shift into realizing that. But like you said, you know, I'm Gen X, but I think this next generation of, of parents is going to have that kind of separation between I am your parent, but I am also my own person. Yeah, it's true. It really is. And I think what they call my generation, I think I'm like half a generation under you. I think it's called Zennial. So I'm like half Gen yeah. X, but half millennial. Like I don't quite fit into either. The internet yeah. came out when I was in my teens. So like I grew up with a corded phone, had a cell phone in college kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and I think one of the really important things that I think women tend to not real oh good my neighbors mowing their lawn that's what it is um that women tend to not realize is that when we have bad boundaries with our children around our time and our needs we're also modeling those bad boundaries and we're going to end up with children who think it's okay for people to disregard their need to be alone and disregard their time so you know in my family we have very strict, well, not strict, but like we have very open conversations where I don't just say, you know, like in my generation, right? Like my mom would be like, you know, I, I need a couple minutes or like go in your room and play. I'm, you know, I'm busy. Right. I'm like, Hey, I am very energetically stressed out from the five of you all around me. Yes. I need to go reset. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I'll be back. You know? And, and so I think that that is something I've seen you model much more recently. With yes, your definitely. Because that's what's going to help your daughter and your son and your daughter and your son and your daughter um, yeah. is going to help them to see, okay, this is what it looks like to be in a healthy marriage, in a healthy parent relationship, you know? Absolutely. So I, think, I think it's important for you, but I think it's also really important for your legacy. Absolutely. I totally agree. 100% because I feel like my parents didn't necessarily care about my happiness. I'm not saying they didn't love me. Of course they loved me, but the generation of parents mine were, they never really checked in. How are you feeling emotionally? Are you happy? How's school going? It was more of a hands-off parenting dynamic. And so my generation 
of parents is there's a lot of helicopter parents. I'm not one, but it's, I, I do care that my children are happy. You know, I care if there's, you know, school drama, I care, you know, what's going on with your friends and that sort of thing. And so I think that my generation went too far in the other direction from what we didn't have with our parents. Absolutely. Yes. We went to the, yeah, yeah exactly. They went <laughs> the complete opposite side of yes. like, let me, you know, meet your every need. And now we have a society of, and I'm sorry if you don't agree with this, y'all. I agree with it. Whatever you're going to say, I agree. <laughs> entitled, you know, entitled, mm-hmm. um, very emotionally dumping, you yes. know, people. Yes who feel as though their feelings are paramount beyond to everything what, what anything else is going on exactly. which of course they they have a place but i don't think that they're the end all be all and you know what's interesting you and i are very similar right like we we've talked about how we see each mm-hmm. other and each other all the time because we're both empaths one of the things that happens to us and i think it's in i don't know if you have in your human design i can't remember if you have an open solar plexus um, i do yeah. So as an open solar plexus, what that means is that we kind of stuff our own emotions, right? Yes. As was taught by our gener- our, our parents. Absolutely. But we are like sponges for everybody else's. Absolutely. So we attract mm-hmm. a lot of people who are like energy vampires a little bit, mm-hmm. but not even energy vampires, because that implies that they suck out our energy. It's more like they're energy dumpers. Energy like, vomiters. Energy vomiters. Yeah, they're actually (laughs) putting their energy into our field, which I think is a fantastic juxtaposition to, or not a juxtaposition, but a, uh, a, you know, lead in to what, you you know, what you've been talking about lately. And I think there's so many different ways to go when it comes to building joy and creating joy. and, And obviously there's lots of coaches that take different approaches to that. But what you're talking about is really kind of an inside job, isn't it? It's really about Absolutely. that person taking back, you know, their energy, building their own boundaries. So I would love to hear more about your work with people pleasing. Yeah. So um, people pleasing is something that you know, has so many facets. You know, we are taught from society to be good and be nice. And so when you get that message, you know, that's the very first place we get it. And then we become parents and we want our children to be happy. And, you know, we may or may not have a partner, but we want everybody to be happy around us. And it's so easy to fall into a habit of, with all of these outside messages of be good, be nice, of wanting to please people and do things for everybody, but more from a place of, I'm going to do that so that you will love me so that right. I will, so that I will feel good enough. And what so I'm I really my place on the planet. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really hoping to shift with this workshop is to shift it to a loving helper attitude where it's not to fill my need. It's to do things for you because I'm your parent, because I'm your spouse, because I'm your friend, whatever, but not because I'm going to fill my needs, but because I love you and these things need to be done. And it's really about shifting that mindset for you on the inside. And so, you know, I had a lot of feedback when I was promoting this workshop, um, you know, in my, both in 
both on social media and in my DMs, like, oh my gosh, I could never stop doing stuff for my family. And I had to tell them, I'm not telling you to stop taking care of your family. It's, it's, it's more of a shift in the, how you feel about it. And, and there are some things maybe you should stop doing. Like, I know that when, you know, one of the things I talk about was mornings, mornings when my kids were in school were an absolute you know, disaster because I didn't have strong boundaries. Everybody was grumpy. And so I would do anything I could to get them out the door. And so, oh, I dropped my sock. Well, I'm going to pick it up to get it for you. You know, no, (laughs) I don't know why I did that, but um, it's more, you know, so that was not something I would probably do again, but you know, it's, it's not about stopping doing the things for the people you love, but it's more about why you're doing it. It's, Hey, Dream Builder, are you loving this stuff? Do you want more? More human design, law of attraction, and manifestation? Then my Designed to Dream membership is for you. You'll get the Dream Design Vault packed with pre-recorded content to help you design and manifest your dreams. A monthly group coaching call with me and a monthly theme and meditations to support you on your journey. Membership is just $47 a month, and you can cancel anytime with no hassle. Join us and start designing your dreams now. Yeah, it's the, co- it's the codependency aspect. Yes. It's the fact that there's an energetic tethering between you and that child where you feel, or, or your spouse, right? Because I think, right. again, going back and being very, very delicate about the conversation the way we grew up because we're very similar the way that we grew up was very indicative of of becoming codependent right because absolutely you knew that you had to be the dancing bear in order to keep the good graces of those people who were taking care of you yes and if you didn't do that then you put yourself in danger literally like someone's gonna hurt you or hit you but energetic danger is a real danger. And to a child, a parent, the person who's supposed to take care of them, who's supposed to, you know, and this is the complete flip side of what we're talking about with our parenting, but a parent who's supposed to take care of them, who's supposed to meet their needs, who's angry at them, or who is closed off emotionally, to right. a small child, that's terrifying. You know, mm-hmm. and like you said, so many people in our gener- our co-generation felt that growing up, and we're so terrified of that, that they went to the complete opposite and created right. monsters. And so we have a lot of monsters walking around right now, <laughs> young adults, you know, what it was called yes. Gen Z or whatever. These people who are just like, you know, oh, I didn't like the way the boss looked at me. So I quit my job or, you know, right. I demanded blah, blah, blah. Or like, he didn't give me the lunch I wanted. So I'm going to go report him for sexual harassment or, you know, right. whatever it is. That I didn't feel like going to work today. So I just didn't. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so how do you feel about because I don't think it's so much with you and me, but how do you feel about the ramifications of knowing that the way that we were before we knew any better may have emboldened a generation of people who are that way? You know, like, how do you how do you reconcile that? Um, I feel like I reached a level of awareness pretty early with my children, mm-hmm. um, at least the, the younger ones of hold on here, I'm turning the, and I'm not saying that my children are perfect by any stretch, mm-hmm. but as an example, 
when my kids hit the fourth grade, the younger ones, I told them, I'm done. You're with school. You are in charge of school. School is your number one job. I'll, I'll sign your done planner if I have to, but I'm not keeping track of your tests. I'm not keeping track of your assignments. If you need my help, fine. If I need to go drop $50 at Michael's for your stupid school project, <laughs> you know, whatever, I'll do that. But I am not involved in your schoolwork anymore. And whenever I tell that story, would tell that story at the schools, you would think that I had told the other parents that I hung my children up upside down from their closet by their feet at night. I mean, they were just like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? How did your children react? How, 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 you know, I mean, it was, it was so controversial. And I was like, well, you know, they were fourth graders. They needed to learn to do things for themselves because by the time they reached high school, I wanted them to be fully responsible for their schoolwork, fully and independent because once they hit high school, I didn't want to be, you know, holding their hand. And then particularly once they got to college. And so I cannot tell you how many of these children that we saw in high school who the parents were still doing all of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, still so involved with, you know, even, I, even in middle school, you know, I was a football team mom and one of the moms was like, oh my gosh, we can't have practice. We have a big science test tomorrow. And I was like, what science test? You know, they're like, you don't know about the science test. I was like, no, I don't keep up. Dylan's in charge of his own stuff. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, but I, st I, see, I saw it so much in high school and my son tells me about it and my daughter as well. These kids go to get to college and they flounder because mom's not there. Um, so in terms of your original question, how do I feel? I feel like I, as a parent, recognized that and kind of nipped it in the bud with my children. And so, but I've seen the effects of it with my children's peers. And it's, it scares me a bit for the future. <laughs> but I also think that there is a sense of resilience and just in in people and children in general and I'm, I'm hopeful that these children will eventually figure it out you know there are um some kids that do turn it around and flourish and you know figure it out and then there are some kids that maybe can't cut it and they end up going down a different path of not making it whatever their parents' dreams were or whatever. I don't know. But I understand, I, I understand your question. And I feel like I did a pretty good job of realizing that was happening. And at least from a school perspective and just nipping that in the bud. And I feel like in terms of that, I did a pretty good job of like, okay, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so for anybody out there listening, take my advice and definitely empower your children to take that responsibility as early as possible because it will do them favors in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. You know, we've got people out there that are like, okay, great. That's what I want. But what about my kids? Or I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And it's important to kind of shock and awe you a little bit to be like, here's what happens if you don't, here's what you're creating. If you don't, 
Like it's not just yes. about your own joy, although that is definitely part of it. And, and, and then we get into the empty nest thing, right? If you're a person who's been enmeshed with your child, your whole life or your partner or whatever, but especially mm-hmm. your child, and you've got this codependent relationship and then they go off to college or they go off to the military or whatever it is that they go whatever do. Whatever they do, right. Who even are you anymore in your own life? If you don't have a relationship with your spouse, if you don't have your own you know, interests, that's going to be a lot more of a shock to your system when that day comes, or heaven forbid, you are so afraid for that day to come that your child lives with you forever. And we've seen what happens when that happens, right? We all that's know so true. In his mother's basement. Yeah, because I joined um, a couple of empty nest groups on Facebook um, when I became a partial empty nester, because um, my youngest biological child is now starting his second year of college. I still have two bonus kids that are still in high school. Um, and I just was astonished at exactly what you're describing. These, these mothers who are just completely lost without their children, they fall into deep depressions. They can't get out of bed. They don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know what to do with their lives. And it's, it's, and it's not just one person. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of these women out there. And it, you know, I, it's, it makes me sad for them. And it also makes me sad for their children because that's a lot of pressure to put on your child when they are trying to go out and start their new life and start the next phase of their life, knowing that your mother who gave you life and has been a big part of your life is home feeling that way. That's a lot of pressure to put on your child. But, you know, when my daughter left for college, I admit I cried for three weeks. I was very sad um, because she and I are very close, but also because she was having a hard time. She's, she's my very, very shy, introverted one. Um, but then when my son left last year, I think he thought I was a lot sadder than I really was, <laughs> you know, because th- that's really the goal of parenting is to raise a child that's going to feel like they are ready to grow up and move on to the next part of their life, you know? And a lot of parents have a hard time with that disconnection. And it's normal to be sad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to miss them. But the level of attachment that I'm seeing in some of these empty nest groups is pretty next level. And, um, you know, my husband and I, as you know, we've still got two more in the nest and, and, you know, we, we're excited for the day (laughs) we have our empty nest. You know, we look forward to having that time together and um, really starting the next phase of our life together. As I, as I launch my coaching business and, you know, he's got his career and doing stuff for ourselves, you know, and that's, that's really kind of the goal of parenting is to raise these independent sovereign beings who feel strong enough and independent enough and capable enough to go out into the world on their own. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been times where I've gotten messages like pretty basic stuff, how to address an envelope. <laughs> like how did, how did that fall through the cracks, you know? But um, that's just not something we do that often these days, you know, with everything online. But, um, and again, I'm not a perfect parent, not trying to per- portray that picture at all, but there is a lot of attachment parenting that is going on, 
I think longer than it should. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I was an attachment parent. My children slept with me in the bed, a lot of controversy around that. Um, but not until the very teen, <laughs> you know, there's also a difference too, between attachment and enmeshing, right? Cause attachment, right. It's like, I'm still nurturing you. You're my little baby monkey. I'm going to protect you from the world. Enmeshment is more like you're an extension of me. And, right. you know, you know me and my metaphysical woo-woo backgrounds, right? Like I believe, and I don't know, you may share this belief that everybody comes to the planet with their own contract with the, you know, with, with earth. Mm -hmm. And we're just here to steward other souls. We have this illusion. Right. They had to make it make sense for us cosmically where, you know, this is our child and this is this thing that we own and, you know, we're in charge of it. But at the end of the day, there are other souls that are here on their own mission. And we're like their camp counselors, we're their RAs, right? right. So like, even, you know, with my son, my youngest son, you know, right. Ari, he has these yes. special needs that just are- Just had a birthday. Super, yeah, super, yeah, he, he just turned three. Um, super rare syndrome that he has um, that that I think there's 200 people in the world or something like that who have it. It's very rare. My His doctor had never seen it before. And um, I could I could sit here and think like, oh gosh, you know, like this is, this is what happened to my son. But he was always going to be that person. He came right. here on, a, on his own journey and God's source higher power was like, would you like to be in charge of helping this person get to their next level? And I'm like, heck yes, I would. So yes. I think that's another thing to keep in mind. Parents think like, oh, but this is my baby. This is, you know, I made this, like, here's this thing. Yes. And it has its, it, they, the child has their own aspirations, their own things. They're all, they're going to go through pain. They're going to go through struggle and journey and all this stuff. And when you take that upon yourself, what you're doing mm -hmm. is you're imprinting somebody else's, you know, journey yes. on you <laughs> instead of having the journey that you're meant to have. And so that's why I think what you're doing with helping people find that joy, their own joy, not vicarious joy, not codependent joy, right. but yes. their own joy in their own body. And that's why, and I think you're a great model of this too, cultivating that intimacy with your partner. You know, having yes. that little, that, that, that quietness, that stillness with the two of you. So mm -hmm. then when you're sitting there and all the kids are gone, you're not like getting to know each other again. Yes. Know? And I think yeah, we, a great job of that. Yeah. We had dinner with some friends over the weekend who have a lot of small kids and, and they were, um, we were telling them when you have a big family, which you do as well, you have to put your relationship first and it's hard because you're so busy but you have to visualize the two of you here and all of these little nitpicky things the kids the 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 wash the washer breaking the whatever as little arrows trying to attack you and you just have to huddle together and consider yourselves primary first put your relationship first that's the only way you're going to survive that your marriage is going to survive. And you have to find those moments to be together, those moments of intimacy, those, and you just really have to be partners and whatever that looks like for you. You know, everybody's marriage is different, but really foster that feeling of we are in this together. And 
you know, I hate to use the word survive, but, you know, sometimes it feels like survival when the kids are little and it's chaos and you've got, uh, you know, everybody's got the flu or everybody's got a stomach bug. You know, you just really have to create a feeling of partnership and this relationship comes first. That doesn't mean you ignore your children. That doesn't mean you don't take care of your children, but that means you are making your relationship with your partner the most important thing. And, you know, I feel like, again, my marriage is not perfect. You know, we've definitely had our ups and downs, but we have always had that sense of we are in this together. And, you know, we're almost at the end of our parenting journey, at least the hands-on piece. And like I said, we can't wait (laughs) until... It's just us because we've never had that. So yeah, something we really look forward to. Yeah. And and just to, to wrap that up in a bow, you know, recognizing that parenting doesn't define us. It's, it, it is a phase. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's sadness in that, you know, oh, I'll mm-hmm. never have a baby again. Oh, I'll never, you know, yes, you'll never wear size three underwear again either. You'll never drink out of a <laughs> bottle again. You know, you're, you'll never have your first kiss with your partner. And that's okay because for right. everything that we let go from the past, we open up the energy for something new. For something new. Exactly. Right. You're already a grandmother and you have yes. these incredible things that are happening to you for this phase. And who would ever want to miss out on a whole phase of life, right? Like that's life is supposed to have different aspects and different pieces. And we grow and we become, oh gosh, if I knew this when I, well, yeah, but then you wouldn't have the journey. You know what I mean? So exactly what you're doing is absolutely powerful. I also know that you have a time constraint. So I want to make sure that we get okay. you we get all of your information out. So you have um, a a people pleasing kind of um, freebie that you wanted to talk about, right? Yes. I'm doing a workshop today at noon. It's uh, drop the people. It's permission to drop the people pleaser. We're going to talk about people pleasing. We're going to talk about mom guilt. We're going to talk about how to create boundaries. We're going to talk about how to build that dream life that you didn't think is necessarily think was possible for you as a mom. And we're going to do this really fun exercise on figuring out what's really important to you. And, and, and it's kind of probably be a wake up call for a lot of people. Okay. What's important to you and are you living in alignment with that? And I, you know, when I first did this exercise in my coaching program, I was like, Ooh, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm kind of not. Um, and so it's, 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 it's going to be so full packed with so much great information and uh, it's today at noon, but if people sign up, um, they can, get the replay. So it's going to be really amazing. So excited for it. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And you know, I love me some dream design. Anytime we're talking about the perfect yes. anything, I'm like, yes, that is so my jam. Um, okay. And then how people can get a hold of you if they want to like learn more about you, read your stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook at uh, rosemarynoe.noe and I'm on Instagram at I am Rosemary Noe. Um, yeah, so that is me. And yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that you were able to come on the show. You guys, I, obviously... okay. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's been absolutely. Fun. Obviously you guys want to go follow her do all the things. I'm going to go ahead and let her run so she can go get ready for that workshop. But if you guys want to go check it out and if you're watching this on the replay, all these yummy things will be in the show notes. Um, but it's going to be amazing. So definitely check it out. Thank you so much, Rosemary, for being here. Thank you, Emily. Love you. I love you too. 
And that will do it for this episode of the Dream of the Dream Design Podcast with Amy Lee. Until I come back next week with another great guest. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you be at peace. Namaste. Thank you.